Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, this is Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have part two of a two-part series with Kobe Simat from Best Practice. In part one of this series, we were talking all about Kobe's case study on how to build a business to sell. And of course, we were reflecting on Kobe's own businesses in relation to how it is that he is building them right now with a mind on their eventual sale. And of course, in the things that he is doing right now that will help to increase the value of that sale at exit. And here in part two, we are focusing on the top pillars in the business to focus on in order to grow sale value. So buckle in, here we go with part two of our two-part series, all about a case study on how to build a business to sell. And so you talked about the eight pillars in business to grow value. Can we dig into each of those really quickly? Absolutely. So there'll be brokers listening in and, and you guys kind of, they're all pretty generic. It's it's like the Harvard, you know, it, it's the Harvard levers, if you like. And I'll talk about a couple of meaningful ones and then we can kind of sprinkle some others at the end. So mm. obviously the first lever is profit. So these are the pillars, if you like, to drive value. Now, we as a team will help people identify these pillars and put projects or or activity against these, you know, set 90-day plans and get shit done. Um, I apologise for swearing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's it's kind of that, you know, at a macro level, it's that. So profit, maturity of leadership team, because we want to buy a team and we want to have that team continue to be able to deliver that profit. Obviously, revenue, these are in no particular order. So, yeah, And, and out- sorry, so coming back a bit, just... Um- the leadership team. Mm-hmm. You, you know, this is something that I find many SMEs just haven't gotten on board with. Um, so just very quickly, at what point should businesses consider getting in place their leadership team and where do they start? Today. Um, Love it. Today. <laughs> today. So all let, of you. <laughs> let's talk about the pillars. Let's talk about the pillars. There's seven days in the week. Yeah. And I think there's seven pillars to a business. So, you know, marketing is a pillar. So you could work on your business, work on your marketing for one hour of one day, pick it, make it Sunday. You know, try and get an early, early-ish night on a Saturday night, wake up Sunday morning, think about kind of what's the messaging, where are our customers, stalk LinkedIn, whatever you need to do. So marketing, sales, and what's our sales process? So how do we kind of either generate leads or the marketing generates leads, but there's a place there. It's a gray line between marketing and sales. Then we can talk about finance. What's our business model? Are we positive cash flow, negative cash flow? You know, are we collecting our money before we serve our customer? We go into the coffee shop, we go to the cash register, we order our coffee, we pay, and then we stand in the queue waiting for our coffee. That's a positive cash flow business. Or do we do the service for the customer, give it, you know, serve them the meal, give absolutely everything to them, and then we worry about whether they're going to get up and walk out without paying. 
Mm. So, you know, we want to be focusing on finance. And then, you know, there's the all the dig right down the accounts will love the bit about balance sheet and PL and cash flow analysis and all that kind of stuff. So then we've got our customer service. And, and in customer service, we could be a product company or a service company or a distribution company. So what's kind of our customer service? How do we look after our customer once they've paid? And then we have our operational part of our business. So we're talking about um, you know, the actual doing of whatever it is. If we're a warehouse and we're bringing boxes in and we're going and sourcing product and we're bringing boxes in and we're distributing it or we're retailing or we're, you know, we're building houses or we're, you know, we're plumbing or we're lawyers or we're accountants or we're brokers, what's that kind of thing in the professional development and technical development in that space? We can start spin off and this is where we can sprinkle into other sections. So here at Best Practice, we are very clear on people, culture and capability. So it's about we have a very we have a specific manager who is all about managing our competency, our capability, and our capacity, our professional development. We do a full day of professional development with the whole company once a month. I stop the whole company, 35 employees, sit and have a meeting once a month. Think about what that costs mm. in terms of salaries and wages. Absolutely. Um, but it's significantly accelerating us as a business because we stop, we all get on the same page, we do that. Now, a lot of the teams catch up, um, uh, you know, daily or weekly in little, little five-minute or half-an-hour catch-ups. Um, and then you can kind of talk about what some other elements for the business might be. There might be like an import part to the business or there might be a, um, you know, a product development or design part to the business. And then there's kind of advisory board part, which is, is the, the bookend at the end. It's like the seventh part, which is our strategy, our advisors, our mastermind. And, and mastermind, I think, is probably kind of, and I finished on this on purpose, Henry Ford coined the term mastermind. And right now, because of COVID, unfortunately, that word has been, it's, it's kind of getting a new meaning, but let's go back to the original meaning of mastermind, which is acquiring branches of knowledge and bringing them back to a single focal point, the trunk. Your organization, your company is the trunk and you go and get masterminds, you know, you you know, bring your team in and bring in some of the, you know, the accountants team and the brokers team and the process improvement, productivity improvement team, my team, you know, and that form the mastermind, form the advisory board around your business and, and businesses with a fully functioning advisory board of independent advisors that do two things, compliance and strategy is important. And I see a lot of advisory boards that are missing, and this is something for the brokers and the accountants out there. It's great to set up advisory boards, but business owners are looking for accountability in terms of accountability and motivation toward their goals, not legal accountability. That's what the, the, the lawyer's part is doing. Mm. I'm a business owner. I'm looking for someone to inspire and motivate me. I'm looking for someone to kind of prompt me to come up with ideas, to come up with strategies, and then hold me accountable to the kind of goals we set for ourselves. And, and if you can have an element to your advisory board that does that, that will give you significant acceleration. Mm, love it. And when did you establish an advisory board in your business? So we we had a couple of goes at it. Um, you know, I'm 46 years old. I've been running an advisory board now for probably about eight years. Mm. And when I was, you know, 38 years old, I was dysfunctional, energetic entrepreneur who just wanted everyone to say yes to me. And so I, I tried and I think the guys that I had 
I, I didn't choose the right talent at the time. And, and, you know, perfect practice makes perfect. Yeah. So it's not about don't let perfect be the enemy of done. Yeah. And so I had to go at it. Um, we had a few people come in. They had agendas. They had, they had selfish agendas around what they were trying to achieve. Uh, a couple of them it was literally just to make money being on an advisory board. Mm. Um, no, no intent to actually add, the, add value when you ask them. They said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm here to learn and this is great. And I'm like, hang on a minute. I'm paying you $4,000 a session. So um, I'm not here to teach you, you know, you're here to motivate. So kind of eight years ago, but I think we really started to get some traction about five years ago and the advisory board is really fully functioning. We meet every eight weeks. It's going really, really well. There's two key people and occasionally we bring in a guest and, and the three of us kind of sit there and it's fully functioning in our organization. It's They are not in here in Australia, in quotes, disclaimer, ASIC directors, Mm. I, I'm the ASIC director. They are independent advisors and we meet independently and they challenge me on budget and strategy. They challenge me on my goals. They're like, your goals yeah. are too delusional. Don't go communicate <laughs> that goal. You know, they don't go tell your team that goal. You're just going to switch them all off. Like, yeah. let's, let's cool your jets, come back a bit, go tell them a different goal. Have the goal in your head and your dream, no problems, but cool your jets, go out, talk to the, talk to the team, communicate something that's maybe a little bit more realistic and in their minds, Correct. in the team's Correct. minds, right. Correct. Yeah, totally, you know, and that's such mm. a good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I love it. Okay, so we've talked about um, these pillars in a business to grow value, what to be focusing on, who to bring in to mm-hmm. help focus. Um, I, I guess what, and we've talked about recurring revenue as well. What are some of um what are some of the killer, like if you look back, and, mm-hmm. and I know you've already mentioned um, recurring revenue, and I think that is definitely a killer strategy. Are there any other killer moves that you've made over time where you go, you know what, that that is one of the ones that has made a really big difference? Yeah, 100%. We kind of didn't talk about the other pillars, um, and, and I'm going to reference a piece of work by McKinsey's because I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, in their book, Beyond the Hockey Stick. So I'm, a, as you know, I'm a massive avid reader and I, I really love that book, Beyond the Hockey Stick. In that particular book, and these are the killer strategies, and I want to give them the credit for this because that was, I think it's that book that really unlocked this knowledge for me. I'd seen it and I kind of knew it and it was intuitive, but th- they gave it labels. And a, an attractive trending industry. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, some people are drawn to fashion, for example, and that's kind of trending and, and or it might be a breakout area. What McKinsey's have done is a study and 46% of the reason why Apple was successful was not because of some magic of Steve Jobs. They just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And in the book, Good to Great by Jim Collins, it's pretty openly mapped out that Steve Jobs wasn't the level 10 leader that, you know, Jim Collins talks about in his book, Good to Great. And, and, and he's got another one, I think, it's, I think it's called Built to Last. I think, yeah. or maybe that's a different author. But, but what Jim Collins is talking about, this level five leadership, imagine if Apple had a, had a good leader, like it would have been incredible. And so, so I think, you know, a, 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 an industry trend, so a, a, a trending industry or an industry trend, that's going to give you another multiple. So if you're in a trending industry and you're in something that's happening now and there's going to be businesses that are trying to grow and we're going to actually try to beat the trend of the industry, we're going to grow by acquisition in a trending industry, they're going to accelerate quicker. So you want to be, you want to be thinking in your 12 to 24-month strategy, what's happening in our industry? Is it declining? Is it growing? Is it trending? Is it about to break out? What's happening? And get clear on the data 
around yeah. that and geographical trends. You know, we had we had one of our businesses in our group go viral last year because of the geographical trend of COVID and the global supply chain freeze. And we just happen to be a factory that has been limping along. It's an Australian manufacturer. It's a factory, you know, I'm literally in that building right now as we record that podcast. Now, this business went mental last year because global supply chains froze and we had a fully functioning factory with fast delivery times with like amazing equipment. And we were like, we were able to do deployments for some really big Australian retailers in three days. They usually wait six weeks for supply chain, you know, there's a design phase, which is the same, but then actually, you know, from, from press go to fabrication, we were putting manufactured products on trucks three days after we were receiving the purchase order. So geographical trend is a, mm. is a pillar. Mm. What's happening geographically? So right now, I would suggest that professional services moving into regional parts of Australia is really important because professionals are moving into regional parts of Australia because they can now work from home. Mm. And so I wouldn't be setting up a professional services business in Sydney CBD right now because geographically, the clients that you might be servicing are moving to have their sea change. Thanks for the tips, Kobe. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, like get better at, like, you know, in professional services, get better at this virtual environment and do exactly what you're doing. You are doing exactly the right thing because you can kind of tap professionals remotely and we already discussed this you know yeah. none of our staff went to our offices last year so mm. so you know it's got to be an attractive industry uh, you could look geographically that's another pillar um, and then your uh, your market research product design kind of machine fat sausage factory that's that's coming up with new products and services to sell new products and services to your existing customer base if you can solve if you can be a product company and solve the distribution, so you can also distribute new products and services of either your own or other people into your customer base, you become extra value, valuable because a buyer is saying, well, I secretly have this product or service and I'm pretty confident I can sell it into that customer base. If you already proved that yeah. you can sell things into your customer base so they can buy you, then we just need that we they're literally buying a list of customers that are already profitable and then they're going to put in their pile in their products and services it's going to make it extra profitable and then that buyer will take your company from a multiple of say 5 as just a arbitrary number to 10 yeah and so they can actually by by bolting your business that you're thinking of selling up to their business instant value is created and there's lots of examples of companies being caught and pulled into the stock market you know, and and then they're in, immediately their value jumps. So you really, I, I think, we can have arguments and we can debate all day about what you know the valuation pillars are. The valuation pillars are the pillars that the buyer prescribes. Yeah. And so then it's a case of saying, just like you do your customer analysis and you say, what sort of who do we seek to serve? I'm personally thinking about down the track because it's my exit strategy and, and I'm not planning on exiting anytime soon. I'm being, but I'm consciously managing that number. Who would potentially buy this business? And, and I think for me, the indicator in terms of what I'm working on is I get tapped on the shoulder all the time for people that are saying, hey, you're interested in selling. And so I'm not prospecting, but I get probably, it's probably annually and it's been annually for probably the last 10 years. Someone taps me on the shoulder, some really big organizations. We love what you're doing. We want to buy you. And then I look at them and I go, why do you want to buy me? And, and, and I look at it and I actually do a bit of analysis and I think, right, I can see what you value. 
Mm. So I kind of accidentally stumbled on, I could, you know, they value my customer base, they value my recurring revenue, they value the fact that, you know, um, you know, we've got a great team. They don't value the fact that I am the face of the business. Yeah. That's actually, that's a discount. Mm. So I have been in this pendulum swinging phase of my life where I'm like the key man, and I'm not the key man, and I'm the key man. And so, and and you will know. Like when, I understand it. You know, I understand it, Kobe. So I'm really struggling with that right now because social media has made me immediately accessible. We have a really popular YouTube channel. I got a hundred, couple hundred thousand followers on Instagram, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, how do I, you know, down the track, how am I going to divest this thing, you know? Mm. And, and and so we we are literally doing a lot of marketing and social media to build the other brands using the magic that we have here in our team so that those brands get built independently and we can kind of, at a point in time where we think they can add a lot of value to another company, we'll, we will contribute that value to that company. I love it. And I, and I just want to go back to some of the pillars you were talking about. So you talked about... Um, are you in an attractive trending industry? And I, I think that's a great question and fascinating hearing the research that you're talking about. But for many for many businesses, their answer to that will have to be no, right? Because, of course, there's many businesses that we know aren't, on, aren't, aren't trending. And um, But I think it's a really important consideration then that you can you can add products and service lines to to within your own industry create sub services sub products that are trending you know so um and and this is where you know not wishing to harp on it we can look at acquisitions as well for immediately gearing ourselves up into that area but it's about it's about having it's about having the the vision, isn't it? And, and it's the questions that you're asking yourself that you're talking about, Kobe, that I think are so important. And this whole, okay, wherever we are in our industry, is there some element that is happening on a geographical basis and really good examples there for services industries um, and, and you, you know, um, outer city locations? And then back to the new products and services, once again, you, you know, you can get there really quickly by acquisition just like if you make your business attractive to an acquirer they can they can see the value from a strategic fit with them and a strategic buyer is the best kind of buyer because they'll pay the most in acquiring you um so very i guess just to round this out um the, what are the top three things that you focus on and that you think business owners should focus on and how do they do that yeah, I think number one is you've got to get yourself into a cycle of of 90-day sprints or quarterly reviews or quarterly strategic planning. You've got to set four dates per year for a full day working on the business. It's not negotiable. It's really easy to go, oh, I don't want to do that strategy. I've got a customer. I've got a proposal. I've got a problem. I've got to pick up the kids from school, whatever. Discipline is what gets someone to the Olympics. The disciplined training, yeah. the disciplined practice, the disciplined art. When you look at high performance teams, look, you, you know, you're, you, you are listening to this podcast and you know, like there are hundreds of thousands of people not listening to this podcast. So people listening to this podcast, you are listening to this podcast, you know you are destined for something bigger than what is happening right now. Yeah. So tip number one, get disciplined right now. After the podcast is finished and after this video, whatever you're watching, how you're consuming this content is finished, open your calendar 
and set four dates quarterly. Don't line them up with the beginning and start of the quarter. Just go from now, just go, right, I'm going to take two weeks to prepare or my diary's booked out a month in advance. Right, book in a full day and grab one or two key people from your organisation or yourself and just go and sit there and ponder for a day and then set those four dates for the next 12 months and it's perpetuity. Mm. The biggest businesses in the world run on quarters. Start now. There's a reason they do that. It works. And also, Kobe, this is, I, I, I love the idea of 90 day sprints, but it's really hard to get that discipline. So maybe, you, you know, when you finish with your top three, I want you to talk about how it is that you can help our listeners with that. Because I think this is something where you need guidance. You need someone working you through it, at least to get into the discipline. But what's your what's your second and third tip? Okay. The, the, the second tip is empowering your team. So it's really important to make sure your team is teaching you stuff. And so it's about what did you learn? What did you read? What's your professional development? Because as business owners, we often, our ears are closed to seeing our team grow. And it's really important to set up a framework where you've got people coming to you, uh, coming to you and talking to you about what they're reading, what they're learning, what they're consuming, because you will build your confidence that actually, you know what, I can't go away. They do know what they're doing because I'm paying attention to them and I'm giving them some empathy. And tip number three is get super clear Have you got a clear picture on your organization's performance? So get the dashboard set up. So start tracking some numbers. Get really clear on your revenue, really clear on your profit. Get your bookkeeping up to date. Get your, you know, learn about your balance sheet. Then start learning, okay, what were my sales? What's my strike rate? What's my service level? What's my net promoter score? You know, build a dashboard. And here at Best Practice, that's what we're all about. We're about setting up really simply. You can do this meeting. You don't need me for it. What do we do? We host these meetings, but host the quarterly session. You only really need to ask four questions and we can finish on this. In thinking about the next 12 weeks, what does success look like? What's our goal? In thinking about the next 12 weeks, what could go wrong? In thinking about the last 12 weeks, what went wrong? And the fourth question is, what are we doing about that? And that's the cycle of continual improvement. And that's what we help with. We help people get into these improvement cycles, accountability cycles, where we say that went wrong. Let's try not to do that again. This could go wrong. Let's try not to let that happen. And then these are our three goals for these 12 weeks. Let's knock those off. 90-day sprint, get shit done. Toby, I have absolutely loved this discussion. I knew I would. I knew this would be (laughs) fabulous. Um, How do our listeners get in contact with you, whether it's them or for their clients? Of course, we have lots of accountants and brokers listening in. I just think the messages that um, that you're giving us are just super, super important because, I mean, number one, you've proven it in your own business, but we see it all the time. The things that you're talking about are real. When it comes to sale, businesses who have got this stuff sorted have so much greater value. But also I find that the owners, the sellers, the founders are more relaxed at sale as well absolutely, because they've got their stuff organised and um, you know what, they're not so wedded to needing to make it all happen at sale because they've got a great business that they're running anyway, you know. So um, how do people get in contact with you? Okay, so really simply, our our big group website is bestpractice.biz, so bestpractice.biz. My handle, so you can see what I'm doing every day because I do a lot of social media, my LinkedIn handle is at Kobe Simat. My Instagram is at Kobe Simat. My Facebook is at Kobe Simat. And if you want to see people hating on me, it's very entertaining. Check out my (laughs) TikTok. 
Uh, I'm on TikTok too. Yeah, absolutely giving business advice. And TikTok has turned into a beast, um, but we, uh, we're having a lot of fun with TikTok and, and we have these kind of comedy sessions where we read the hate comments on TikTok. So, and it's, ent- it's entertaining. So any I'm of those so handles- going and having a look at that now, Kobe. That's <laughs> awesome. And we've got to put this all in the show notes, of course, so you don't miss out on hearing any of the uh, funny hating on Kobe stories. It's, 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 it's incredible. <laughs> Kobe, I have absolutely loved our discussion today. We absolutely need to get you back, but just a massive thank you and um, you have a stellar day. You too. Okay. Bye for now. Well, that's it for our discussion with Kobe Simmet from Best Practice. And of course, if you would like to talk to Kobe about some of the work that he does with businesses, building them up for sale and converting them from a job to an investment, then just head over to the show notes of this topic or our website at thedealroompodcast.com where we'll link straight through to Kobe and we will also provide a transcript of this podcast episode if you would like to read it in more detail. Now, don't forget at our website, you'll also be able to find details of how to contact our legal eagles at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions, whether that is preparing for an imminent sale or acquisition, or indeed if you are right at the point of sale or acquisition right now and need some legal assistance to get you through the process, we have a number of great services to help guide businesses through this sale and acquisition process. And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, then I'd be very grateful if you could pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. And that's it for today. Thanks again for listening in to part two of our two-part series. And you've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. 